All right, if um, I think, am I on here? Control, let's see. I'm never in control. Let's get that straight. There we go. All right. And play. And bingo. There you go. So um, you should be able to go on your phones to version, and all of the scripture is in there except for the one I added last night because I just didn't have enough in there. Um, and so yeah, so you'll see that as we go in um, through that. But you can go to in version under events, Cedars, and there we are. We are in the way in a manger, right? So if you were here last week, Jeff covered the way. Today we're going to look at the manger, all right? And again, going back to what Jeff said, it is a, it is a play on the, the words of that song, um, but hence our Christmas series. Um, so let's jump into that. Um, as I was praying and knowing I, I got the gift of the manger, I was trying to think like, Lord, how, you know, there's a lot there, and, and where do you go? And, and for, for me, it starts with um, the word of the prophets, all right? We have the manger, but we had so many hundreds of years before that, prophets foretelling and telling of one who was to come, right? It's God's word through his people promising what he is going to make good on. And yes, it does seem to take longer than we would expect, but when you are God and you're not bound by time, you're the creator of time, and you don't even have a watch in your hand, what is time, right? And so, um, yeah. But we go back to the writing of Isaiah, right? When God was working through the prophet Isaiah, he says these words in chapter 7. He says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Right? In the, the context of what was going on, um, King Ahaz is the one that's being told, you will be given a sign. And it's funny, he said, you know, he wasn't the best of, of, of kings, but he's like, well, I, I shouldn't put the Lord my God to the test. But God was like, no, I'm the one that's telling you to ask for a sign. So I'm going to give you a sign regardless whether you ask for it or not. Here's a sign, right? And then the prophet himself actually has a child in the next chapter, and that, that's a, a, an answer to this prophecy, but it's a greater prophecy. And as the book of Isaiah goes on, there are some things in prophecy that are, are revealed and come true right away, and others that it's just a foreshadowing of what is to come. And that's what's going on here. And so um, this child, there's a child that's given in the midst of them about to go into exile— but there's a greater child who is coming because we're still in exile. And so that's what, that's what I, Isaiah is talking about here. And, and I love that idea. Um, and as I was thinking about that, I thought about that as a kid. Um, my parents would often put, um, put into our minds. Kids in here? All right, all right. Um, right, Santa would put things in our stockings. That as we would open our stockings and we'd be like, whoa, what is this gift? We shake it, and we're like, what could this possibly be? And I don't know if this happened in your house or not, but in our house, we always seem to get gifts um, like batteries. I'm like, all right, I guess marbles weren't good enough to play with. We need to play with batteries, right? But, but batteries, for me, were a foreshadow of something greater to come. 
But then, as was in our family, and we had like aunts and uncles and cousins, we had a Christmas tree with presents literally about this high that filled up half the room. So we'd open our stockings, and then we'd have to go eat brunch. The longest brunch in your life, because you're like, those presents, right? And it seemed to take forever. But you knew there was a promise of something to come. We had to wait and finish everything on your plate. Then go to the bathroom and get coffee. Anyhow, but Isaiah goes on in chapter 9 to give a little bit more of explanation of what this promise that is to come was all about, this true power. He says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government, and his rule, and his peace, there will be no end. It won't be the temporary situation that they were in the midst of that was broken and was about to be overrun. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This was going to be a reign and a rule that would be so different from anything humanity has ever known. And it wasn't going to come out out of humanity's desire or their might or their gumption. It was going to come out of the zeal of the Lord Almighty in his time, in his power, in his place, and it would be radically different. And so he gives this promise, but this promise is going to come with a son. And then after this time was done, then actually Jerusalem was overrun and they were taken into exile. But the idea of a son, that a son would come, a son came to Isaiah in that moment, But the idea of another son gives you hope that we're not done with. That even when circumstances seem to override us and we think it's the end of our line or whatever, there is a future hope. And that's a part of what this promise is. That even though things are obliterated as we know it, this promise is that something greater is still yet to come. And God is faithful to his word. And while he gave a snippet of that with the child of Isaiah, he said, this is just going to be an example or a sign of what is greater to come. Right? And then they go into exile for 70 some odd years. and They come back and they try and rebuild or they do rebuild. It's a shadow of whatever was. And then like Jeff talked about last week, there was 400 years of silence. And then it seemed like in one day, all of a sudden, that silence broke forth and word just came from everywhere. You see, the promise was foretold. The disciple Matthew records it this way. And again, this is looking, we're going to look through Joseph's story today and not through through Mary's. But but, uh, at this time, right, it's discovered that that Mary, his engaged, um, betrothed, um, soon-to-be wife, is already pregnant. And so he discovers that, or they discover it. I'm not sure if they talked about it or whatnot. I would assume they would. Um, But he has in his heart and his mind as a righteous man just to divorce her quietly 
so there's no shame and no public disgrace. And that's his decision. But as verse 20 here of chapter 1 says, that, but after he, Joseph, had considered this, divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And this idea that we're working to toward the manger, there is a babe that's coming to a manger. And here, God is coming forth with his messenger. Before he used a prophet, now he's sending his angels that stand in his presence to deliver the reminder of the promise for so long ago that now is the time. So this angel shows up to to, uh, Joseph in a dream. And he decides to obey what the Lord has said through his messenger, this angel. And Matthew records this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus being the Greek name of the Hebrew name um, Joshua, that the Lord saves. So here you have this reminder, or the angel telling him, you're going to give him this name, and this name is significant because it's the action of the person who you're giving the name will bring about. This child named Jesus will usher in the forgiveness of sins. He will save his people. And so Joseph hears this, and he's giving him this name. And Matthew writes this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Right? This was in the Lord's timing, in his way. This wasn't the the will of man. This wasn't the desire of man. This was the way of the Lord. And this child is coming. Radically unique. Utterly different. And it is God with us, Emmanuel. God with us. Right? And, And I think, as I thought about this, It's not that we were going to be with God, but God was going to be with us. And he was coming in human form. And here this promise is being foretold. That at this time and place in history, this was happening. And he ends with this in this section. And when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name of Jesus. So Matthew's writing to this very Jewish setting. And as Matthew is prone to do throughout his gospel, he's tying the things that are going on to promises in in what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, so the people would know They would have no, hopefully, mistake of knowing this is the guy. This is what the prophet meant. And over and over and over again in the Gospel of Matthew, that's what he does. Because he wants to make sure they don't miss the moment. And that moment is happening here. And he says this. This is what was promised back in the day with Isaiah. And it's coming to pass. 
Luke, on the other hand, speaks to a little bit broader audience. And picking up the story from there in Luke chapter 2 in verse 6, he starts with this, that while they were there, right, there was a time in time and place, there was a governor that said, hey, we're going to have a census. And I want you all to go back to your hometowns from your family origins and register. And during this time, Joseph took Mary back to Bethlehem to where his family was from, of the line of David. And it was while he was there, this time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Here God is orchestrating time and a census in a place to get his people where it needed to be. And then sometimes in just in humor, it kind of blows my mind like, could you not hop on VRBO and book a room? Right? I mean, you know she's pregnant. We don't know how long they were there for, how close to the due date was. But, I mean, you saw fit to the minute of detail. And really? Is your internet down? But no, I think there was a purpose to this, right? And again, whatever this room was, whether it was the bottom floor of a lodge and there wasn't rooms upstairs and you were downstairs where the animals were or it was a cave or a barn, it was somewhere where the animals were and humans typically weren't at nighttime. And the time came to give birth to Messiah. And as a loving mother... She wrapped him in warm cloths. And no crib could be found but this manger, this feeding trough, and set the child in the trough. A meager birth of humble beginnings. And if we understand the Gospel of Luke, he's starting to tell us something different from the very beginning of the story. And Luke gives us, his readers a stark picture of Jesus' humanity and his servanthood from moment one. That he was born a, a real child in a real time and place in a lowly setting. And that was the start of his life. A babe in the manger. The way in the manger. The birth of Jesus in his, his entering into the world. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were freaked out. Right? I mean, you're there doing, right? I don't know how many days you've been doing this. You're like a veteran. You're a, you're a seasoned shepherd, and you've never seen anything like this, right? I'm sure you've had to, to ward off animals, but here is something radically different you've never experienced, that out of nowhere, these angels appear, this angel to start with. And they were terrified. Because oftentimes, you know, again, they had... 400 years of silence. And out of the blue, here's this angel comes to Zechariah. An angel comes to Joseph. An angel comes to Mary. Now an angel comes to shepherds in a field nearby. 
that obviously God is speaking louder than he has in the last 400 years. He seems to be speaking in, in, in some of the strangest of places, but consistent and clear in his communication. But out to, out to shepherds. And as I thought about that, who else would you go to? Your, your son was just born, and he's in a manger where animals go. Who better to go and tell, first and foremost, those who deal with the animals? I suppose if he was born in a palace, you wouldn't go to the shepherds. You would go to the, the elite. You would go to society's greatest that had reason to be in a palace. But here you have God in the flesh born in the lowliest of places, and you go to those who would receive that message to go and see because that's what they do. It's the bottom rung of society, and if they can receive the message and have that hope, then the, the reality is that those who are above them should be in that same boat. That it was the greatest equalizer of coming in humanity and in poverty because that way that anybody could be in. But also came in a way of humility and meekness because that was going to be characteristic of how Christ lived when he was here in the flesh. And the glory shone round them. They were terrified. And then because... I guess that wasn't enough. The angel brought some of his friends. This angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this sign will, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Right? The manger wasn't the pivotal piece of the announcement, it was a sign so you would know exactly which baby we're talking about. There may have been a few that were born around that time, but there will be one, only one in a manger. So you will make no mistake as you find that baby. There's only one lying in a manger. See, the manger was the signpost for the right child. The way, the one babe in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. Like this big, just, I just think this just symphony of sound just shows up with the greatest of light shows that hasn't been seen for a long time. And here in the meekness of this birth is a majestic of the announcement. And God just saying, my son is here. And it's the greatest announcement card that could ever go out. Singing telegram like no other. And my son is born because I told you he would come. And I told you I would come. You see, it's glory to God because it's all about him. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about these people. They're not the ones on display. 
It's God on display doing what he does for his purpose. But yet we benefit. We benefit with a peace, with a reconciliation between God and man like has not been understood yet. And so he brings forth this announcement and a promise that's being fulfilled and delivered in this time. And then the angels left. When I was a kid, and yesterday, whenever I'm in my house, and I hear sirens outside, and my, my girls are with me in this, like, TV gets paused, we hop in the car, and we chase the sound. Like, right? I mean, just, it's this announcement, like, something's going on. Let's go find it. And as I think about this, that's, that's what comes to my mind. Like, there's this just an incredible announcement. And something so different and loud is going on. Like, hey, let's go. Hop in. And we go and see. Like, how could you not? Right? And, and my parents have moved now for two years. But so when, when certain emergency vehicles would go down our street, because we lived half a mile down the street, there used to be a different um, little angst that I would hop in the car and go down the street to make sure they were good, right? So now that they've moved to Reno, that's not my brother. I can just drive around and hopefully it's not my friend's house, right? But, but the babe. And so their natural response is to go and see. Go and see. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found... Uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You see what was promised so long ago with my batteries. I would open my gift and straight from the Smithsonian, you would have my Walkman. (laughs) My Discman that still works. For sale on eBay on 10 grand. This can be yours. Headsets free. Right? But what I wanted under the tree, and I would be gone for years listening to my music. At least until next Christmas. The babe in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard the witness of the shepherds were amazed. They were amazed. And it's interesting it said that they didn't believe. I don't know, like, what proof the shepherds had to give. But the people, upon hearing that, were amazed. And now we got a sprint. See, Matthew connects us to the prophecy of, uh, of old, and Luke highlights the, the meekness of the ordinary, but John goes with the mysterious with his Advent account. You see, why? Why, why a baby in a manger? Why, why, why not just come back? Why just show back up and just... Do what you have to do. But a babe in a manger. You see, John says the word, the idea, the verbal expression, the personality of God 
always existing, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came full of truth and grace. And this was indicative of the life of Jesus. He came full of truth. What he said was true and grace. The way he acted and the things he did were the very grace of God being put in place. But he came and dwelled with us. Where Jesus was, was the very, was the very presence of God in him, in a person, there in real time for a purpose. For a purpose. This promise in the flesh was the gift of sacrifice. Paul would write this to the church in Galatia. That when the time had fully come, when it was God's time by his watch and his say-so, like Jeff said last week, the father of the son dictates when the wedding happens. When God Almighty said, no, now's the time, son, go. He was sent, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as children. Because the law had been given, it set up the sacrificial system. And so the people of, of, of Abraham's ascendancy, they knew what had to take place. And they had this system of sacrifice. But those sacrifices only put it off for another year. There had to be a sacrifice that did away with it for always. And this was his plan. The gift of sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. That since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's also able to help those of us who are tempted. Right? He had to be sent as one. Fully like them, but radically different. Without sin, the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice that would come and fulfill what was required in the law was in Jesus Christ. Right? Because the verdict of sin was death. But the gift of his life is salvation. And his death was required to make that payment. We couldn't have made it. There was nobody in humanity good enough to ever think. Well, I'm sure they have thought. But to ever be perfect to make the sacrifice that was required to make the payment that was demanded that the law specified. And so God said, you know what? I know you can never cover that cost, but I can and I will in my timing and in my way. And I will do what you can never do. And I'm coming. And I came. 
and I did it. It's this babe in a manger who grew up to die a death on a cross, to set us free from sin, a greater exodus than these people had in mind. They wanted Rome off their back. God wanted sin off their back. They wanted to be set free from an oppressive rule, and God wanted them to be set free to rule with him. And so he said, I'm going to take care of the mess you made beyond your wildest imaginations in my timing. And it required God in the flesh to grow and to speak and to do the things required of God and then to die on a cross and to be raised again to show the way of salvation and life eternal. But he has appeared once for all, the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ, God in the flesh, was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation for those who long for his appearing. Do you long for what's truly under the tree? Do you remember the promises of old, reminded year after year, day after day, the power of God that equips him to do the greatest gift ever? And it was his way. And it was his time for his purpose of what only he could do. But it required, it required that death of a person under the law, specified by what it said and broken forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for the gift of the season. And I know sometimes it's, it's difficult. God, I also pray too for those of us in this room that, that maybe we've heard the story before and we still want to examine the evidence. God, I pray that for those of us in that situation, this might be a year to understand the evidence or because it is an act of faith to believe. And God, there are many of us in this room who know this story, and we love this story. And it's a vivid and excellent reminder of who you are and what you've done and what you're doing. And there's a day you return and fully consummate your kingdom. But in the meantime, as the angels went and shared the good news, the gospel, God, I pray that we would take serious the commands to go and reach our inner circle with a message of salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.